Hey community, in today's episode, Christian Stanfield from Passion sits down with Matt McCoy. They talk about how he got started in worship leading, how he got started with Passion. He gives tips for worship leaders and songwriters. It's an awesome interview. We hope you enjoy it. Be sure to check out his latest solo album that they'll talk about in the interview as well. And you can get all of the master tracks on loopcommunity.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Loop Live. My name is Matt McCoy. I'm the founder of loopcommunity.com, and I'm the host of the Loop Live show. And today we have a very special guest. We've got Christian Stanfield. He's a worship leader, songwriter from Passion City Church. You've heard definitely uh, his songs, Jesus Paid It All, One Thing Remains. He has a new album out, Make It Out Alive. We're going to talk about that. Anyways, I'm looking forward to this conversation. So what are we waiting for? Let's go and dive in. Let's bring in Christian Stanfield. What's up, brother? What's up, man? Man, good to see you. It's good to be here, man. I'm so glad to have you on here. Thanks for taking the time. I was thinking about my early just introduction to you and who you are. And I was a worship leader at Willow Creek. I remember that. I'm trying to remember the first mm-hmm. time I ever heard your name. I was wor- I was leading worship at Willow Creek. I was on staff there for a couple of years. It was 2007, maybe 2008. And I remember we were preparing for this big baptism service and we were in this creative meeting talking about like what songs, you know, can we do for this baptism service? And someone was like, have you guys heard this new song uh, called Jesus Paid It All? Christian Stanfield? We're like, no. And they played it in the room and we were like, oh my gosh, this is insane. You know, that bridge. Oh, praise the one. And I ended up playing that song, I think, <laughs> at least twice a month for the next five years like you basically yeah. were in our set list like forever for like the next five years i actually really want to bring that song back because that is just a killer song yeah man it's funny you bring that song up uh the guy who wrote that bridge is a good friend of mine alex nifong and um we were we were really close when he wrote it and uh we brought it to uh 722 which was a bible study in atlanta um back in the yeah. day but uh that song, it's funny you bring that song up because it, it's, uh, it's like it's circling back. I'm, I'm talking to more people about that song again, and Alex yeah. and I have reconnected and rekindled our friendship. And so I, maybe it's time, man. Maybe I just need to you know, pay attention to that wind that's blowing. Maybe God is bringing yeah, that song. Certainly that, that song. Yeah, well, it served the church for a long time, and um, yeah. it's such a pow- powerful song. Really powerful. I um. I remember watching, yeah, I remember watching 722 online. They were like the first worship live stream that was like ever happening yeah. anywhere. No one was live streaming worship before 722. That was yeah. pretty wild. Those yeah. were those were cool days too. And then I remember, I was thinking too, I remember being at Passion 2012 and I was standing in the back and you were leading worship. I think you were doing like One Thing Remains and some other song. I can't remember what other songs you were doing there. Yeah, but it yeah, but it seemed like a big like passion moment for you. But I just remember I was standing back in the back by the soundboard next to Jason Ingram, and Jason, mm-hmm. I remember it, he, we were kind of just like, man, this guy is like, like he's so good, like this is amazing. And I remember Jason just being like, oh man, his his parents are so proud of him. And oh wow, I don't know if I don't know if your parents were there or like standing in front of us. <laughs> I don't even know, but I just remember I just remember him saying that to me. And just being wow. like, man, this is just so cool to like kind of watch. Like, I think Jason was, it was cool for Jason to watch your journey, you know, yeah. then in, in that stadium there. 
So tell us about how well, you started leading worship and how did, how did you get started with passion? Well, I, um, I started leading worship when I was in middle school. Uh, I, I, it turns out this is the story of a lot of different worship yeah. leaders, but, uh, you know, our middle school ministry needed a, a, a worship leader to lead some songs and word got around that I had a guitar and I was trying to figure out how to sing. And more or less, I got pushed out on stage against my will. I think I, I told I told the guy who asked me no probably two or three times before he finally yeah. was like, look, man, I'm not asking anymore. I need you to do this. Yeah. And that, you know, a, a lot of trial and error, of course. But um, we we saw God do some really special stuff in our youth ministry all through high school. And uh, I just thought, man, if I could, man, God, if, if you'll let me be a part of this, helping people connect to you through these songs, then I want to be yeah. a part of it. And so led all through college. I met Louie at a uh, student summer camp that he was speaking. He was one of the speakers at the camp and I was one of the worship leaders. And we met and started talking and Louie, he was like, man, I just, I love you. I want to be your friend. I just believe in what you're doing. And um, it really just started off as a friendship. Yeah. And then uh, he asked if I would come be a part of Passion 2005 in Nashville uh, as a leading worship for a, um, a community group, kind of a smaller group off the, you know, the big gathering in the arena. And I've been a part of it ever since. Yeah. And I uh, fell in love with the family of people here fell in love with uh, uh, what, what God is doing at Passion. And uh, yeah. to be honest, I'm still a part of it with a lot of the same people. So, yeah. you know, however many years later, 17 years later, here we here we all are still doing it and um, still yeah. have amazing stories. So are you on staff at the church? I and am. Does your, and does your, I and am. Does your, I guess the reason I ask that is like, does your week look like a typical like worship leader at a church, you know, kind of the scheduling and putting bands together and picking songs and. Uh, it did, it did look like that for a while. Uh, for about seven years, I was the day-to-day worship pastor here yeah. at Passion City, leading our team, rostering bands, um, connecting with worship leaders. And I did that for a while. Um, I think at heart, I'm a creative person. I'm an artist. And I think the way that I serve our church and our house and our team the best is when I'm creative and I'm writing um, and I have some space to do that. And so now uh, our day-to-day worship pastor is a guy named Jeff Johnson, who is doing an amazing job leading our team, rostering bands and doing all that. Um, And I support him. I want to be an encouragement to him, hold up his vision I'm still leading almost every Sunday here. I'm still connecting with young worship leaders here, but I have a lot more space to, to dream and write and be creative. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's, that's really, it's, it's, it's helped me and my family out with our rhythm of life, but I think it's also served our team the best. Yeah. Uh, but as far as like a weekly schedule, um, we have stuff throughout the week that I'm a part of. Um, but I've, I spend a lot of time writing and, um, yeah, and connecting with other guys here on our team. Are you traveling to write, or do you do like virtual writes? Like, what is what does songwriting typically look like for you? I do travel some. We do. Uh, we go to Nashville a good bit to write. We have a lot of writers friends. We have writing camps throughout the the year where we'll bring a, a large group of writers to our church here in Atlanta, and we'll write for Passion and for Passion City Church. 
I do a lot of writing on my own. Um, uh, a lot of like the genesis of a lot of ideas tend to happen when I'm, when I'm alone and I have time to process what, what God's doing in uh, my life, my family's life, our community, church, what I'm learning through scripture, other, other books that I'm reading. When I have enough space to process those things and write down lyrics or um, capture little voice memos, that, that tends to be where a lot of the genesis of, of, of yeah. songs come. So, but yeah, uh, I haven't had a lot of success with the virtual thing, man. Uh, yeah. To be honest, I, songwriting is such a relational thing. Um, and it, I love being in the room with other people and tag teaming, you know, the, 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 yeah. um, the process. And so I, I have done some virtual writing and I have finished songs virtually. Um, but at the end of it, I was like, I think I would have rather just been in the room. With that yeah. Person. Cause you kind of you write off the energy of each other. Yeah. yeah. You write off the yeah. energy off each other and there's not the delay in zoom or. Right. Kind of right. Weird. So I do like to be face to face with people. Yeah. I'm kind of with, I'm, I'm the same way in that. Like, I think I, I'm, I write better or at least all that starts alone. And I prefer to kind of start writing alone and then bring in yep. some other like great minds to, or like get in the room with people to make it better. Is there a time of day that you reserve for songwriting? Usually in the morning. So once yeah. it gets past lunchtime, uh, I've learned that I, my, uh, my output, my creative output tends to drop. So my kids go to school around 7, 15, 7, 20 in the morning. And then from about then to lunchtime, I'll do some reading. I might go on a run um, and just create space to uh, free myself from technology or any yeah. other distraction. Just receive, just open my hands and receive. Sometimes I'm literally just journaling or I'm just jotting down ideas or sometimes I'll sit at the piano or grab a guitar but I just try to make space for things to flow through. Just be available to the ideas, be available to the melodies and the lyrics. Um, yeah. And I just find that the more that I do that and create that space, uh, the more the ideas tend to flow through. And is that typically just about every weekday, Monday through Friday? Not every weekday, but most. I'm, I'm creating time to, yeah, I'm creating time to write and create on most days. Yeah. Um, some days it looks different. Like we've just, like you mentioned, um, I released make it out alive, a solo artist project in November. We just had passion 2023 happen. There was a yeah. lot of creative output happening for both of those projects. Yeah. And so I feel like right now I'm in more of a, a, a time where I'm, I have my eyes open, I have my hands open and I'm just observing and I'm just taking in, I'm writing down a lot of ideas I'm capturing mm -hmm. a little bit of melody stuff, but I'm not, I'm not trying to finish anything right now. I'm just, I'm just observing and, and collecting ideas. ideas. And, um, and then eventually like, you know, it's February now, I'd say probably in the March, April, um, things will start to, those will start to take more of a, a cohesive shape mm -hmm. and become a song. Yeah. The reason I'm kind of drilling into that topic is just that I think that a lot of people who are listening to this, they want to maybe write, they want to be creative, but no one's carving out the time. Like it really does take intentionality to carve out the time to make it happen to, to literally, I love that you said you kind of separate from technology a little bit, you know, turn your phone off and, and also maybe use the best hours of your day to do it. You know, like 
do the mindless tasks in the afternoon, the emails, the calendars kind of items. But in the morning is when your brain is like fresh and, you know, full of ideas, has the most energy. Yes. Use that for yes. that. And I just, I just think it's important for people to hear that it does take intentionality. It does. I was talking to another songwriter about it one time and just talking about it like stoking a fire or fueling a fire. Like you, you keep feeding the fire. Sometimes it's not like, you know, blazing out of control, but you just always want to be feeding that fire and keep the embers hot. So whenever it comes time to write that song or you, you get in a room with people that you're, you've already stoked that creative fire. There's something already in the furnace that's going and you can bring something to the table. So it's important for me. I've learned to give myself a break. You know, I used to beat myself up and go, I didn't write anything today or I didn't finish something today, or I'm not happy with what came out today. But what I've learned is all of that leads to something. It all comes out one way or another. And um, so it's just, just uh, keep showing up, keep writing, write a hundred bad songs. You know, you're going to write a lot of bad songs that nobody's (laughs) going to hear, but but then two or three will come out that could really touch somebody. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, just kind of with the whole work from home and like virtual environment, like, are you, do you typically write at home or do you go to the church and write? Or is there, is there another space you're going to, to write? I do a little bit of both. So the church is awesome because we have a studio here. We have piano, we have guitars. It's easy to come here and write. Inevitably though, if I'm here, I'll get scooped into another activity or another meeting or some, I'll run into somebody and we'll start talking. And then an hour has gone by. Um, If I'm, if I can be at home, I have a little space at home where I can tuck away when my kids are at school and um, you know, my, my wife is home, but she also works. She does real estate here in Atlanta. So we're, there are times where the, where the house is quiet. So I, I do a little bit of both. I, last year, I, I would go on these long walks or runs and I would, you know, put my phone on do not disturb. And that was, it just sounds crazy, but a lot of songs would like download as I was walking or just processing or praying. Mm-hmm. And so I think it can happen in any number of ways and in, in different places, but um, but to answer your question, I do at church yeah. and at home. Yeah, that's yeah. I kind of was curious because from my from my experience having kids like upstairs. I mean, it's nice that your kids are at school. I've got like all young little kids, like two years old, four year old, and I hear them upstairs. I even hear them right now, like running around, like banging stuff against the walls. And I'm like, I can't even write with that kind yeah. of like stuff going yeah. on because I feel like I need to be up there to make sure that like they're not burning the house down. Yeah. Yeah, once they get home around four o'clock, it's the clock is up. I'm done. Yeah. There's yeah. no is uh, my I want to be with them as a dad. I want to be yeah. with them, and they're coming to find me. And um, yeah, so yeah, no. Well, so let's talk about your new album. You did a solo album called "Make It Out Alive," released in November, right? That's right. What? Yeah. So first of all, what inspired you to even release a solo album? Because I don't. Had you done that before? Well, I guess you had done like worship stuff before, but maybe yeah, not. It was like worship. This kind of devotion. What would you call this? Like devotional music? Or? Yeah, devotional uh, singer, songwriter, storyteller. Yeah. yeah. I would put it more in that camp. I, I'd had two other records, artist records come out with six steps, but you're right. They were more worship. Um, yeah. Something that probably people would expect, you know, worship leader type stuff. 
So tell us about this album and like what inspired it or is there a background story to it? Yeah. I mean, it's, I'll try to condense it down, but um, you know, 2020 just sidelined all of us. You know, we had a lot of, a lot of plans. Um, I know everybody's tired of talking about 2020, but it actually plays a big role in how this record happened. Um, We had a, a full schedule of stuff that we were ready to do in 2020. It all went away, got canceled. And that just forced me to be home, be still, be silent, which is something that I hadn't done in a long time. And I started looking in the mirror and taking an honest look at my life and just realizing that there were some things going on in my life, behaviorally, um, rhythms of life, ways of thinking that were just really unhealthy. And after years of going unchecked, they had grown into something that was just not okay and not good, some addictive behavior that I needed to address. And um, and so uh, it was time to, to deal with it. So I, you know, my, my wife, my, my closest friends here in Atlanta, um, Louie and Shelly were a big part of the process. Um, counselors got involved. Um, I just started like, un, uh, like digging up all of this stuff and realizing that like the topical, the topical issue really wasn't the issue. That was like a symptom of something that was like much deeper. Yeah. And so I started this process of like, excavating and digging up all of the junk and finally yeah. looking at it for what it, what it actually is. And that's hard work, man. I don't know if, you know, if you've done that kind of work or if people listening have done that kind of work, but like, it's not easy. It's exhausting. Yeah. I would get done with a day. I went to this like counseling intensive in Tennessee for a while and I would get to the, the end of the day and I would have, I literally would have felt like I had run a marathon. Like my body yeah. was exhausted. My, my mind was exhausted. Um, I had no more tears to cry. I mean, it was just, yeah. but, but through that process, I started to come back up to the surface and my, my heart started to sensitize, attend, uh, sensitize again to, to good things and God's voice. And um, yeah. I was becoming, you know, uh, like flesh again. And through, through that process, getting healthy and getting whole, I started to write these songs And they were more like journal entries than anything else. They were more conversations with God or conversations with my soul. And um, the honest truth is, bro, the honest truth is that I didn't think that I would share the songs with anybody. I've written songs like this before, and they were just more like therapeutic, like just like this was really good for me to process. But, But what I started to figure out is that people who are, are struggling with some of the same stuff I was struggling with or just because life is hard, they feel like we feel like we're alone in all of it. And mm-hmm. that would break my heart because that's how I felt for a long time. I can't talk to anybody about what's really going on because if I yeah. do, people will think I'm a freak. Yeah. But the truth is, is that we're all, we all carry brokenness. We all struggle with something in life. And yeah. people are just waiting for someone to be real about it and go, I'm, I'm hurting, I'm broken, I'm struggling. So I thought I really, I started to pray about it. I started to talk to some people about it, wise people about it yeah. and process with our team here in Atlanta and go, I think, I think I want to put these songs on a record. And so that's what make it out alive is it's these very honest, very raw, um, almost confessional. Sometimes these songs of just processing my journey of recovery and getting healthy. And, um, yeah. And it, the whole the whole goal of it, man, was like just to start a conversation and go like, hey, like it's it's OK if you're not OK. But like that's not the end of the story. 
Like mm-hmm. God, God wants to work in this process of brokenness and healing. I know it's hard, but he wants to use it to make you more like Jesus and bring you back up into the purpose that he created you for. And bro, it has been that I've had so many conversations on Instagram or just bro, like walking through Starbucks or mm-hmm. walking through the halls of our church, people stopping me and going, dude, I'm, I, I'm struggling with this or I've, I'm, you know, this many years sober from this yeah. or uh, it, it's just been wild, dude. Like as soon as you open that door, you realize yeah. how close this community is all around you. So yeah. I've been so, so, so happy about it, man. And I, I do want to say like our, our team here has just been phenomenal and just saying, let's go for it. Let, I think yeah. this could really help people. So that, that's make it out alive. Yeah. It came out in November and um, yeah. Isn't it amazing just what a little bit of vulnerability will do to relationships and you know, when people are just open, cause that's what happened with this album is you, these were like personal songs, journal entries, really prayers. Yeah. And you were vulnerable with it though, in that you shared it with everybody. And then people are like, yeah, yeah. that's me. I, I also feel that way. And it also, I think it makes people feel, well, yeah, like they're not alone. They're not crazy. Um, Man, I so first of all, I want to ask a question. Do you does does the sentence or the phrase "trust the process" mean anything to you? <laughs> yes. So yeah, I say yeah, that because yeah. you and I went to the same place. And, okay, uh, great. Yeah, and and um, I man, I had a lot of the same kind of experience, and twenty twenty mm, did like wreck really... wreck a lot of people, mm. and we're just exposed yes, a lot yeah. of I think brokenness that we already had. And I'll say that um, when I went to that place in Tennessee as well, what was so healing for me was to see all these other people and like I was healing from their healing and like seeing them, like them being vulnerable and them sharing their stories and then them going and doing the work. And like it was healing to be around people who were being vulnerable. And so yes. you can actually be the remedy for someone by just even just being real and sharing like what you're going through, which is what I love about what you did with this exactly album. Right. Because That's just exactly by doing right, that, bro. it brings healing to other people. And yes, yes. I, I think that's why, you know, in the, in the, um, you know, you, you share your story with people and then they start sharing their story and it just reminds you, it's another reminder of the journey that we're all on. Yeah. Um, and it reminds you that you're not alone. You're not walking alone. And um, I remember sitting in a circle with guys. The, the first night I got uh, to this intensive, I was sitting in a circle with some guys and they were saying stuff that I had thought were, it was out of bounds to say, like for years. Yeah. I'm like, you can't, I didn't know you could like say that to somebody else. And I'm in the circle about four other guys. Some of these guys have become my best friends. Like they're guys that I still keep up with. Yeah. And I remember, I remember thinking for the first time, like maybe I'm not crazy. Like maybe I'm not alone. Maybe this is like, there's a community of people who, yeah. So it, yeah. you're so right, man. There's, and I, I, I really believe it's the way forward, man. I think, yeah. I, I, I really, I really hope and pray that, you know, that, uh, that the days of playing church are over but like we yeah. can actually be the church and be vulnerable and be real with each other and hold each yeah, other man. up in the high times and the, and the low times. And, um, yeah, yeah. 
Man, I love that. That's it's kind of cool to hear that you went um, to that intensive. Mm-hmm. That was a life changing, yeah. life changing experience for me. And I really hope that me everybody too. could experience something like that. And really, what it was, it was just people being really real and being able to talk about. <laughs> you're right. The things that in church you'd be like, "Wait, we can't say that," <laughs> or "You can't, like, yeah, we can't right. talk about that." And, but it's something that just it kind of levels levels the ground. So I, man, I appreciate you doing that and. I mean, we're here yeah. to talk about your album, but actually I was just going to say that I, during that time, I actually also wrote a collection of songs that were just my mm. own personal prayers, vulnerability really as well. Like they're just, and I'm actually releasing them in a couple of weeks and I didn't know if I was going, oh, to, right. going to. So, oh, that's awesome, dude. Way to go. Yeah. When does it come out? It. What's it called? It's called Spirit Songs and yeah, beautiful. it comes out February 24th. And they're just Congrats, the songs man. from from my spirit. Like these are my prayers to God. Yeah. Not worship songs. Bro, we 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 need more of that. I think we've uh, well, I'll just speak for me. I put so much pressure on releasing music or releasing songs yeah. and what we need more of is just going this is what God is breathing through me right now and I'm just going to put it out and Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it may not it may not win a bunch of awards. I may not be on the red carpet at the Grammys, but somebody Somebody is going to get yeah. touched by this. Yeah, somebody, and, uh, yeah. Just take the pressure off it, man. Just go, this is what it is today. Next year, I might have a different collection of songs. Yeah. And that's great, too. You know? And you have to, like, yeah, I know. And that's kind of a scary thing. I'm sure there's probably lines on this record that you were like, oh, man, I don't know if I can, if I can say that or if I can, like, actually put that yeah. out there. Um, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about, there's a line in one of my songs that says, um, I sing these songs of faith because I know they're true. But honestly, there's days I still doubt them. Yeah, I doubt them too. And I'm like, I don't know if I don't know if I should say, if I should say that. But yeah. I feel like it's just no. it's real, man. It so, is. It is. That's um, great, man. Tell us about like, is there just to close this up? Um, is there a specific song on "Make It Out Alive" that you would love? You know, for a worship leader listening to it right now, something that one that like really means a lot to you that you're like, I really want people to listen to this one. If they were to listen to one. Yeah. Well, I think the the title track is probably, it means a lot to me. It means a lot to the process. Um, that, that song I think represents, I think, you know, parenthetically, I think it represents the whole, the whole project and, um, you know, the, the whole idea in the song, make it out alive is that, you know, our tendency when we, when we face up against something that seems impossible or when the bottom falls out or we hit rock bottom, we, we want to hit the eject button and like Mm. run from it. We want to just, we just want it to be over as soon as possible, which I get that it's hard, but I, I've come to find out that God wants to bring us through it step by step one day at a time. Um, And that is hard work. Like we want to run and hide. We would rather not fight, but in the perseverance, right? I mean, this is in scripture and James, it's like in the perseverance that produces something good, produces something godly. So when things get hard, we persevere in it. We take one step at a time with Jesus and with other people. And before we know it, and man, I've lived this. You look up one day and you go, I'm not where I was a year yeah. ago, two years ago. Right. I, I made it out alive. I'm here and 
my head is clear, my eyes are clear, the light is shining on my family, my my life again, and um, and so that song in in particular is just one that I really want to encourage people who find themselves in a really tough spot to go lean into it, do the work. This time you you curse it. I think you get there and you go, I don't want to be going through this, but it it, it ends up being the greatest gift that God could give to us is that that uh that humbling that discipline um because it produces something in us that's it's really beautiful mm. so i think that's my encouragement awesome, would be yeah just lean into it you know it's the whole bridge of the song you step into the furnace let the fire serve its purpose you know it hurts <laughs> so man good. it hurts so yeah. bad but yeah. it, it it it's refining um so yeah that that song that song means a lot to me so good, man. Well, I, I would encourage everybody to go check that out and listen to that. So my final question for you is if you mm-hmm. could go back and tell a young version of yourself, think back to like Christian yeah. Stanfield 2006, you know, the Jesus paid it all days, even maybe, maybe even a little before that. Yeah. yeah. Or you, you know, you're sitting down for coffee with a young, new young worship leader. What's some advice that you'd give yourself for the road ahead? What would you say? That's a great question. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is I would say you can't do this alone. I think that would be what I would tell somebody. You're going to need people. Like I have in my life, I've got two guys that I am just brutally honest with, oddly specific about everything going on in my life. And if I didn't have those guys, I wouldn't make it. Like I wouldn't be in my right mind and things would get squirrely real fast. They did get squirrely. So I think for a long time, I, th- I thought that I could do it on my own, or I thought I had to in my own strength. I had to figure it all out on my own. But what I've learned, especially over the last few years, is that we weren't meant to to live this life alone. We weren't meant to lead alone. Um, community and family is everything. So I would say find your people, man. Find people that you trust and that you can open your life up to. Not like, not like generally like, uh, you know, but like people that you can be really specific with. So I think that's what I would say is you, you can't do it alone. Isn't it interesting too, that I was thinking about my experience in Tennessee and that it was easier to do that with people you just didn't know or the people that they didn't know who you were and they didn't know where you were from. And you probably maybe would never see them again. Although I'm still in touch with all those people. A lot of them still as well. But if we could somehow harness. Yeah, you have to create it. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you you have you have to create it. You have to instigate it. So, yeah. like I'm not go- I'm not good at this part of of things in life. So, I've had to learn how to do this, but like you put it on the calendar. So, like yeah. every Tuesday, like Tuesday is my connection day. So, I have coffee with these two guys um that are in my life and uh man, we just put it all out on the table. I drive from that to another small group of guys um, who were being like kind of mentored by these two older men. It's like a group of these four or five guys were being mentored by these two older guys. Um, and then I usually end up having lunch with somebody, um, connecting with somebody else on that day too. So that day is just, it's highly relational, but I do that on purpose. Then I have a phone call on a Wednesday, every Wednesday at one I have a phone call with another guy that I'm in, I'm in connection with. And we talk very honestly about life and our, our journey. So my, my point in saying all that is that you, you have, you don't just like fall into it. Like you, like yeah. you have to make, put some effort into it and go, what, 
day of the week, what hour in the day am I, am I going to connect with these people? And, uh, I, that's just how things work, man. That's just practically, yeah. that's how things work. And then there's this cool yeah. feature on your phone that says repeat weekly. So just right. do it every week. <laughs> just right. do it every week. Yeah. So I agree with you. It's hard. Um, but you know, if, if you put those things into practice, they become yeah. habits. And after a while you look up and go, dude, I've been doing this now for two years. So yeah. anyway, yeah. that's a good word, man. You have to be intentional yeah. with everything. Yeah. All right. Yep. Brother, thank you so much, man. It's great to uh, meet you. Thank you for taking the time to even uh, share your heart with worship leaders. And this I love this so dude. Good and helpful. This is gonna be really helpful for a lot. Yeah. Of so. Thanks for uh, asking all the, the good questions and being open to some honest conversation. This is great. Yeah. I love it, man. All right. I'll see you later, man. Much love. Thanks, okay. for, thanks for joining. Thanks, yeah. guys. Bye. All right. See, see you soon. Bye. All right, everybody. I really enjoyed that conversation with Christian. Really uh, thankful for him for just taking the time out to even make time and space for this. If you guys have not listened to his uh, new album, make sure you go check it out. Make it out alive. It's on Spotify, Apple Music, probably wherever you get music. Listen to this album and these songs and the vulnerability in them. And I know that there's going to be things in these songs that you're going to relate to as a Christian, as a human being. And so I think that um, it'll really bless you. So anyways, make sure you hit the subscribe button to make sure you stay tuned for future Loop Live events. Until next time, have a great week. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Matt McCoy. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Hey, it means so much to us when you let us know what you thought. Write down in the comments what you learned from this episode, anything else that you found encouraging from this episode. Glad you guys are listening to the podcast. Hope to provide to you a lot of helpful content as you lead worship. See you soon.